Welcome to the third and last part of the special series on science communication during the COVID-19 pandemic. In this third part, I discuss with Monica Feliu-Moher, with Joanna Lobuentunj and with Adriana Bankston about how governments have been dealing with the pandemic and specifically about how the interface between governments and the scientific community can inform decision-making and lead to better outcomes. I think some sort of typical ways to engage policymakers would be um, basically doing advocacy on Capitol Hill through Capitol Hill days, which are um, de designated um, times of the year when specific groups advocate for their cause. Um, briefings where we have, again, we would have researchers from campus talk about what they do and we have staffers um, listening to that. And so again, it's sort of, again, a dual thing where You're thanking them for your, their support, but you're saying, here's what we're working on, and they're obviously will be informed by that as well. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. Okay, so I'll go straight to that. But thank you, thank you for your your input. Uh, I'm really first. I'm really enjoying the conversation. I think a lot of very important things are, are being shared around the table, and I hope that the, the people that are on the live on Facebook are appreciating that too. I see little hearts popping up on uh, on the on the Facebook page, so I think it's a good sign. <laughs> um, now, th this, in this part, I wanted to, I, I've named it, Can Policies uh, Tip the Scales? And uh, my first question is for Adriana. Uh, apart from universities and scientific societies uh, and organizations like we've talked up till now, Could governments also weigh in? And we, we all around the table know the, the answer to this. But, and, and we've even said that only governments can be the final you know, decide, decider in the end. But from your position uh, of being in D.C., what does that engagement look like from the federal point of view? What, what have you seen in terms of initiatives, programs that have been making a difference ever since the crisis started? So uh, I think a lot of this com comes down to funding. So um, governments can support universities and also other entities that relate to research and education. There have been uh, bills and supplements coming out, multiple ones, around supporting COVID-19 research, uh, vaccines, testing, community events, um, a, a lot of different angles of this. Um, and I think if we're talking about um, Policymakers specifically, obviously, they're busy people. They have a lot of priorities. Um, they have, um, you know, as I said, they, they like to hear from constituents. Um, they have the ability to appropriate funds for, for research and so on. Um, so I think a lot of this, um, the, the sort of the engagement from the government and policy side has been to hear, you know, the advocacy that comes in around COVID issues and also supporting, uh, financially supporting universities. Mm -hmm. um, now, I had the chance of uh, listening to a conversation that Joana had in Portugal, in Portuguese, uh, not so long ago. And Joana talked about what's been happening in Portugal and how 
government has been doing there in managing the crisis, uh, the, the pandemic. So, Joana, you mentioned that Portuguese government has done a very good job in terms of taking decisions and implementing measures based on the input of specialists and of scientists from the medical and scientific community. Can you share with us uh, what you think worked well in the Portuguese case so far and why? Yeah, well, we are extremely fortunate and we are grateful because, as you know, in Europe, we are we are usually paired more with Italy and France and Spain than with Denmark or Austria. And actually have numbers more similar to those countries than to the Latin ones. And one of the key here was that government listened to scientists and they, they, they promoted the, the lockdown early, not like a... The other, the other countries locked down much later. The government in Portugal locked down when still nobody had died in Portugal and decided to, to lock down. It was, it was a bit controversial at the time because people were like, why are we locking down? We don't have that many cases. And it, but they considered it was strategic to lock down early because scientists told them it was important to do so because we had learned from since December the crisis had become in China and had been coming and coming and coming and we know what what helped uh, the numbers being maintained low is lockdown early lockdown works and so it was very important and also all the authorities have always been listening to doctors and to scientists and epidemiologists and virologists and one other thing that the government did here is that they went out of their way to make processes more flexible because in order to get those testing that I talked to you about in the beginning we had to create new rules because otherwise we had to wait like a year to get the testing approved and the protocols approved and everything approved so we had to do uh, some some polit politic yes it was a political decision to accelerate the process in order to have science helping society and it's it's an incredible time for science but i imagine in your countries most of your countries as well is because nowadays we used to 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 struggle we never had science on on television and on the the new spaces on television and now we have every day a scientist commenting on reality and they're talking about stuff and they're talking about the virus and they're talking about the protection measures and they're talking about health or the sociology of it the social sciences have been playing a very important role so actually having good scientists and listening to them and then making the politic decisions which are politics and not science it's it's crucial it's really 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 important and and i've heard uh, i've read an, an article actually uh, today uh, saying uh, explaining how in portugal uh, universities or so research institutions were allowed to take part in the testing in the pcr testing yes Uh, yes. how, how did that happen? How did that change? Was that a game changer in your opinion? Com completely, completely a game changer because one of the things we need is to test a lot of people. In, or in order to test a lot of people with just the state's power, it, was, it would have not been possible. And so not only in my university, but in many other research institutes in, in Portugal, we all came together and everybody wanted to to give their time and their reagents to do the testing and to take their machines, their PCR machines. And since we are stopping all the regular work we are doing, all the, uh, all the PCR machines were, were into testing. 
So that's, um, that is really important. And now the university, well, next week I'll be giving my body to science once more because the University of Lisbon is studying the, our population and they, they want to see the prevalence of the virus. And also they're doing serological tests. So we are all, well, volunteering. I'm volunteering to be one of the subjects doing the testing because we know there are a lot of asymptomatic carriers, but until we test large and far, we really don't know how many. So uh, with the capacity, with the increased capacity of collecting the samples and doing the tests, we will be able to do um, testing uh, widely in Portugal. Mm -hmm. so, so clearly, to allow labs that are not part of the, the state structure to do this testing, there were also uh, accelerated uh, approval of policies for that too, for sure. Yes. And now for a short message. If you're preparing to launch your podcast, you may be asking yourself what hosting platform to use. I launched Papa PhD on Blueberry because I wanted a professional service that would interface with my WordPress website that would robustly broadcast Papa PhD to all platforms and that would allow me to grow my podcast in years to come. If you're starting a serious podcast project, do consider one of the first podcasting hosts out there offering state-of-the-art services, including IAB certified statistics, based on years of experience in the podcasting space. So go to papaphd.com forward slash blueberry, that is spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, or use the promo code PapaPhDBlue in one word on the Blueberry website to unlock a one-month free trial of the platform. And now, back to the roundtable. And now my question to Adrian is, uh, I know the United States is a different machine, different states. Uh, it's, it's a different dynamic than a small country at the corner of Europe with you know 10 million people and one, one government. But what are you seeing in terms of the US scientists engaging with policymakers on the different, uh, different issues we've discussed so far? And maybe this is not to do with what you do every day, maybe a little bit, but also what you're seeing in the news in, in, the, in this sense. Yeah, I think a lot of this um, has existed before and is amplified now because of COVID um, in terms of thinking about how universities can send the right message to policymakers. A lot of what is going on is obviously advocating for projects within biomedical research and also infectious disease now. And as I mentioned, sort of this environment creating more collaborations between universities and sort of the public and the outside stakeholders. Um, I think some sort of typical ways to engage policymakers would be um, basically doing advocacy on Capitol Hill through Capitol Hill days, which are um, de designated um, times of the year when specific groups advocate for their cause um, briefings where we have, again, we would have researchers from campus talk about what they do and we have staffers um, listening to that. And so again, it's sort of, again, a dual thing where You're thanking them for your, their support, but you're saying, here's what we're working on, and they're obviously will be informed by that as well. Um, so a lot of this comes back to sort of showcasing the importance of research um, for policymakers. Um, and then with COVID specifically, um, I think there has been more engagement in the community. So as has been said, um, scientists volunteering to do testing and that sort of thing. Um, I think um, 
engaging them also in uh, outside activities. So a lot of times you'll see a policymaker going to, you know, visit a lab or if they're, um, you know, they'll be at a scientific society, for example, talking to students, looking at their poster. So it's important to engage them not only where they are on Capitol Hill, but also to kind of get them out of that and, um, you know, so they, they can see really where the research is being done and how that happens. And we've been doing that, um, you know, through virtual briefings, because this is obviously the environment that we're in, but we're still trying to maintain that. Um, so I think, yeah, that's kind of the, um, like the dual um, type of engagement, which is on the Hill, but also outside in, in the community and getting them to, to see how the research is being done. Very, very, very cool. Uh, I imagine that, that then the different states also have different uh, initiatives uh, that, that might be happening, but it's interesting to see that going on the field and, and getting a, a view of what's happening in the labs uh, is something that's uh, happening and that's uh, probably making policymakers more aware of the reality of things, of the time frame that things take in science, especially in the life sciences. Uh, very, very cool. I think we've uh, reached the, the, the final point of the interview. We've talked about a lot of very interesting things. I was just going to now to go uh, around the table and ask for a last comment. Monica, do you want to share something with people who might be listening and who might be stressed about COVID, uh, stressed about reopening? Uh, well, that's a heavy task. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, it's, it is very normal to be, to be worried, um, to be concerned. Um, what I will say is continue practicing, um, you know, precautionary measures, using masks properly, washing your hands, um, using hand sanitizer if you don't have access to soap and water, um, social distancing or, or physical distancing. Um, you, I encourage people to stay connected through their social circles, but definitely uh, distance from people. If you can, if you can stay at home, please do so. I, I do understand that this is um, not a privilege everyone has and that this pandemic has disproportionately impacted marginalized communities. Um, but, you know, continue taking care of yourself. Um, I think, I mean, unfortunately, this is, it's going to be a marathon. Um, we're going to be living with this virus for a while. So it's very, very important that we look at trusted sources, um, scientifically based sources, um, because I, information is power. Um, and so look for science-based information to, to make your, your decisions. Um, reach out to your scientist friends and, and on social media. I'm certainly available um, to answer questions from people and just continue to take care of yourself. And um, ask your representatives or elected officials to um, demand that they're making decisions based on, on science. Very, very, very good. Adriana, on your side, any last words? So not specific advice, but I think what I would want people to take away is sort of my concern with what's happening with the young scientists that are in the system currently and wanting to stay in science or going into different careers and how COVID, COVID has changed that. And there needs to be, I think, more attention to um, how pandemic the pandemic has affected sort of their careers and what they're going through now. So um, more on that, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Joana, some last words for the audience. Well, my last word will go out to the scientists. 
uh, one word of uh, thanking for their efforts and for their efforts in communicating and to be clear to us, but also uh, to those that don't that are are commenting out of their scientific area that maybe they should think twice because it's really important that we continue to earn the trust of the public. So. Uh, we need scientists out there. We need scientists talking, but we need to 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 choose the, the way. Well, Manico saying to choose our battles, but scientists have to to talk about what they know. And when we are talking about hypothesis, we'll we'll talk about hypothesis for everybody, not just uh, I think this or because we need. As scientists, we need to communicate what we know, and there's, and we can also communicate what we don't know. So, and that should be very clear. We should avoid the gray areas, and giving opinions that can be misproven. Well, all opinions can be misproven by science because that's part of science. But there are things we already know, and there are a lot of things that we don't know. So, it's super important, Monica's advice on wash your hands, keep your distance be safe, let's continue to talk together and be here on this planet and let's kick COVID off. Thank you. Uh, on this uh, message of stay safe and keep your distances, we're going to end this roundtable. I had a really great time. Uh, I think that we touched a lot of interesting points. So I want to thank you all, Monica, Adriana, Joana, for having given me some uh, of your time, me and the, and the, the public to come and, and share uh, a little bit and discuss a little bit on this thematic and on this new reality that we're living and that's changing a little bit every day. So thank you. And, uh, and uh, let's, let's keep up the, the good work uh, wherever we are around us. And if we want to discuss something with someone from a place of respect, of friendship, if possible, and uh, yeah, no, don't pick fights. It's not the moment for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this discussion about the importance of good science communication during this time of health crisis. I hope you enjoyed the insights Adriana, Joana and Monica shared and will take home some guiding principles and ideas for your SciComm activities. Next week, I will be bringing you a recap of Season 1 of Papa PhD with a commentary on how my own view of the career landscape for Masters and PhDs changed after talking with all my great guests. I will also have a surprise announcement to share, but I leave it at that for now. So thank you for being a listener, and have a great week. I just want to take a moment to let you know that you can help me end the show by leaving a star rating and a comment on your podcasting app. If you want to go a step further, go to patreon.com slash PhD now and become a supporter. For the equivalent of a coffee per month, you'll be helping me immensely with the recurring costs of hosting and producing the show. Again, thank you for being a true fan. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests.